Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Off Speed Podcast. My name is Grace Leader. I am your host, your guide, uh, as we slow things down and dive into different worlds of sports and cover interesting sports story. This week, I'm very excited. We are not covering a specific sport. We are sort of generalizing a bit, and we're going to talk about LGBTQ representation in sports as a whole uh, with uh, the wonderful Frankie De La Creta who is has done a lot of writing uh, in the world uh, of sports. Uh, I would highly encourage you to check them out uh, and their work, a freelance uh, writer uh, whose work sits at the intersection of sports, gender, culture, and queerness. Um, and so does a mix of journalism and creative nonfiction um, and teach writing classes at Grub Street. They've been featured in the New York Times, Sports Illustrated, Vogue, the Washington Post, Bleacher, the Washington Post, Bleacher Report, The Ringer, The Atlantic, and many others. Um, and they also came out with a book that was uh, co-written with Lindsay D'Arcangelo, who has been on the show before talking about uh, the Women's March Madness Tournament earlier this year called Hail Mary, the Rise and Fall of the National Women's Football League. So we will get into that, uh, I guess, very quickly. Let's play catch up, if you will, on the world of sports recently. Um Boy, uh, the NBA Finals. We will have a uh, segment today in our Game On segment that will highlight uh, the NBA Finals. But the uh, Warriors uh, defeating uh, the Mavericks in five games. Um, yeah, uh, so so Steph Curry and, and the Warriors will be heading back to the NBA Finals. I think have a very good shot of winning. And then the Celtics uh, defeating the Miami Heat in seven games. Um, that Boston defense looked really, really good there, especially uh, in game seven. And uh, while Jimmy Butler had uh, a really good game six and a game seven, it was unfortunately not enough for the Miami Heat to be heading to the NBA finals. So the Boston Celtics, I believe with their record breaking finals appearances, although 
Refs will get a fact checker who could tell me I'm wrong. Might be the Lakers. Um, but nonetheless, should be a very fun finals. Uh, two teams who have been there uh, before and, and quite often, but nevertheless, should be a fun series. Over in the NHL, um, the um, semifinals wrapped up. So we're heading into the conference finals. Um uh, th- this week, uh, the New York Rangers defeating the Carolina Hurricanes in seven games to head up against the Tampa Bay Lightning, the two-time defending uh, champions, uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, whereas on the west side of things, the Colorado Avalanche will look to take on Connor McDavid and the Edmonton Oilers. Boy, Connor McDavid is really, really good at hockey. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, I, I I think I have the the Avs uh, pulling out uh, the series win. Um there but nevertheless i think that uh hard to count out Connor mcdavid um and the rest of the edmonton oilers who defeated the uh, calgary flames uh to get into the conference the western conference finals uh the french open happening uh, i know there's some controversy with uh Djokovic, uh seemingly uh always a bit of controversy being booed he's going to play in the quarterfinals against rafael nadal uh, which i actually believe will happen today so uh, the result of that will probably already be out by the time you're listening to this podcast but um yeah been a been a fun uh tournament over on the um the women's side of course you can play canadian bingo uh fernandez uh was defeated in the quarterfinals, so uh, no more Canadians uh, in the women's side of the tournament, um, which is uh, disappointing for me, um, but uh, a good run there from Fernandez. So lots happening in the sports world. I know that that's not uh, the full extent. The uh, WNBA is in is in full swing um, this summer, so um, yeah, should be fun. Baseball, uh, lots of baseball uh, happening. Um, so let's jump into our segments with Frankie. And when we come back on the other side of that, I'll be joined by a fan of the uh, Warriors, the Golden State Warriors, and a fan of the Boston Celtics. And they'll compete in a little game as sort of an NBA Finals preview for the Offspeed Podcast, put our official rehab preview um, on the books. Um, but very excited to chat with Frankie coming right up in our sa- segment, uh, Banter Up. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today. At LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Drew Scott here. And I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. 
All right. And we are back. I'm here with Frankie. Frankie, how are you doing? Thanks for joining me today. I'm really well. Thanks for having me. Um, Frankie, do you want to introduce yourself to our to the Offspeed podcast listeners? Uh, yeah. Uh, my name is Frankie Delacreta. I am a freelance writer, independent journalist, um, and my work focuses on the intersection of sports, gender and culture broadly. Uh, yeah, you have some great articles. I want to chat uh, about many of the things uh, you have written about. But um, yeah, I feel like as a trans sports fan, uh, I feel like uh, so much of the stuff you do is great. So I guess where I think I want to start is the episode is kind of just about LGBT representation in sports in general. Um, where do you feel like, I mean, be as optimistic or as pessimistic <laughs> as you want, but where do you feel like, you know, LGBT representation in terms of the the larger sports landscape landscape currently like sits. Um, so yeah. I I feel like this question is very dependent on first of all whether we're talking about like LGB representation, yes, and whether we're talking about men's or women's sports, and yes. then trans folks. Like I think those are three um, very different answers. Yes, I will say when it comes to women's sports and um, LGB folks um you know or you know lb mostly in those spaces yeah um i think that um pretty good like i'll be like like let's be real like women's sports spaces are like very queer um yes. for the most part and um i think particularly leagues like the WNBA. um when you look at them we don't have numbers on this but i would estimate the major like the majority of the players in the league are queer um and like when you think about that it's like a queer culture that's what the league is it's like you can walk you can turn on the tv and like see people like from your community um and the players have really pushed to be able to be open about that you know we have players and relationships on teams um and you know that's cool yeah that's like broadly true across women's sports to a large degree i think there's, you know, been a shift, I think, for a long time. Representation there really tried to heterosexualize women's sports um, mm-hmm. so that we could appeal to straight men. Because, you know, why would um, why would anybody want to watch women's sports, uh, you know, and especially any men, if not to like ogle hot straight women, <laughs> I guess. Um, yep. You know, I think in recent years, we've really seen a shift, you know, away away from that. And that's been really player driven. I think for men's sports, it's a completely different conversation. I think maybe the tipping point in which it's safe to be out is like potentially coming, but we're not there yet. Um, we're not. There's like a lot of work that has to happen in men's sports culture, I think. And then trans people, <laughs> like, oh, uh, I was really hopeful for a while, but like anyone who listens to this podcast probably knows there's like all of this legislation um, that is trying to ban trans people from playing sport. And um, that feels harder to answer. And I like want to be optimistic, but I honestly don't don't know like how fully I can be. Yeah, it is. You know, to be honest, like I am as a trans person who is a sports fan, we haven't I, on this pod, we haven't really dived into what's happening in terms of like trans legislation other than briefly. But I do a lot of like other podcasting where it certainly come up like how frustrating um, this legislation is when you look at just like the actual numbers and that people just like, I think, don't have a sense of what they're talking about when they think that like there's this huge advantage for 
um, like trans women to play sports against cis women. So uh, it can be very frustrating. I feel like the argument is so, you know, straw manned and, and built up as these like, you know, trans really women boogeymen who are going to come in and, and win medals as if like these like cis men will just pretend to be women to right. compete in sports. Like it's just silly, really. Yeah, and I mean, so that's so frustrating. Cis yeah. men, like cis men start HRT all the time for like funsies, right? Like, yes, that's totally right. Like, you know, <laughs> who I doesn't think- want to go through puberty twice? I always, uh, yeah, know? especially the wrong puberty just to win at sports. Like that's also, right. have you noticed how little women get paid for sports? Like where is the, where is the actual advantage here or like benefit? And I think like we know the straw men arguments and we know that none of them are true. But I think what's like really hard as a journalist who writes about this, as a trans journalist who writes about this, I find that I'm often having a completely different conversation than cis people are like they're so focused on like hormones and science and biology and things that I find like incredibly dehumanizing because like at the end of the day, I'm sort of like even if there was like some advantage, which, you know, scientifically we haven't even shown there's not. Um, But even if there were like, to me, someone's human rights are so much bigger than like potentially having a small advantage at like a, like at the end of the day, a game. Like I just like, I feel like there people like trans folks humanity gets so lost in the arguments. And so at the end of the day, it sometimes feels like I'm having a completely different conversation um, than, you know, cis folks are. Yeah, I mean, and I think a lot of the arguments that I have made specifically about, like, I think it was the most prominent in terms of like bathroom bills are like, these will hurt cis women as well. Uh, If you are gender nonconforming, but you identify as cis, like you you will be affected by trans bills because they will uh, build on to needing proof uh to, to prove who you are to go to the bathroom right and uh that will affect cis women too i mean we've seen it people like being cis women being harassed in the bathroom because people yeah. assume that they're trans um and i feel like that that will come in terms of the trans uh sports argument that these anti-trans sports bills as well of when you start you know i think caster uh, is a really good example of something at its at its <laughs> fundamental premise is that Literally. these people are the best in the world at doing this thing and we'll let them play and so the idea that like there's this unfair advantage which again for trans people is not scientifically proven that like trans women have an advantage at sports but when you start saying well this is where your testosterone needs to be this is you know all of this stuff then it's going to get into like risky like we've already seen um yeah i mean in castors many people don't realize isn't even trans right Right. a lot of people she's trans like in the because she's been like completed with this conversation but yeah, you raise a good point. A lot of people don't also like don't know in Idaho, which is where the first transports and was passed. Um, it's currently like being fought, so it's like on pause. The judge has paused it, but in that case, a cisgender Jane Doe um, challenged the bill because she recognized that it was a threat to her. She was a gender nonconforming woman who played sports in like high school in Idaho, a girl actually. And a lot of people don't realize that one of the people who's like fighting this bill is a cisgender girl because she recognizes that it's a danger to her. And like, it sucks that on one hand, it sucks that in order to recognize why we shouldn't be discriminating against trans people, we have to be like, and also cis people. Yes. But like right. at the same time, we need more people, more cis women to say like, no, um, this is going to negatively affect me as well. Or like just stand up and say it's wrong. and. I think we like really haven't had enough of that. Yeah, I think that's uh yeah, it's a good point. That like, yeah, it's like it'll also affect this woman, so you better do something about it. Like it's like 
unfortunately, like not enough, like the, as you were saying, like the humanity of trans people is not enough to uh, make change that it's like, yeah, we have to wait till it affects uh, other folks. But um, I guess to, to the, you know, at that point we're talking about um, trans people um, in, in sports. We were talking about, you know, in men's league, you know, there's recently, I believe it's Jake Daniels, who's a footballer came out, um, plays a, uh, in Blackpool uh, came out uh, as gay, which seems like there was very much some positive reaction. And then also, you know, I know that there are some athletes who have chosen to like sit out of like their games when there's like pride uh, memorabilia, like on, on, um, on jerseys and things. So it feels like, uh, yeah, I think when you're talking about like, are we at the place where it's safe for, you know, uh, people, you know, gay men to come out? Um, it feels like maybe and not quite all the way there in terms of like the sort of, heteronormativity of, of sport um in general but i'd love to like circle back to like why is it why is it women's sports that are like feel like this like place that has been able to carve out um at least more representation than than men's sports yeah i think there's a couple reasons for that i mean we have this stereotype that all like women athletes like are lesbians right and that's obviously not true and also it is true that a lot of women who play sports are gay um, and so I think there's, on the one hand, there's the sheer number um, of how many queer women are in sports that makes it, you know, safer um, to come out. But I also think the thing about women um, athletes in particular is as someone who plays women's sports, you're kind of always up against like outside forces or things that kind of make it harder um, and we can see like that a lot of the women's leagues are also way more outspoken on social issues as well. And I don't think that that's a coincidence. And I think that this is related. I think just being a woman who takes the field, um, you're already up against a lot and you've already kind of had to do the thing that society is telling you you're not supposed to do. And you've already kind of had to like speak out and push through and like fight for what you're doing. And so as a result of that, I think that a lot of women athletes are more willing to take stands and like kind of like stick their necks out in those ways, which is why we've seen the WNBA actually leading the way on like even like racial justice issues before like Colin Kaepernick, the WNBA was doing stuff and like that's right. often like a race. People don't realize that, you know. Um, but I do think that it's, you know, it's related because, you know, women are already marginalized by gender. Um, and therefore I think are much more used to having to speak up. And I think that's a big part of it, in addition to just how many queer uh athletes there are in those leagues. Yeah, if you, that's, um, you know, this, I, I feel like that makes a lot of sense in terms of a little bit of, um, in, in the way in which like, uh, you know, rising tide raises all boats in some, in some ways of like, you're fighting for so, so much already that like, um, in order for it to feel like to get everybody sort of in, in together with a movement, you need to be sort of as inclusive hopefully as possible i think there is some um sense of that so um that would make sense that like these um the women's sports would be where there's a little bit more you know push for the inclusion of, of the lgbt community on top of some of the other social justice issues um that they're fighting for um i mean women's soccer has a, got a big win recently right with uh equal yeah equal pay and it's hard not to feel like you know megan raponi who who wins a gold medal for the United States at the Olympics and also being this like out queer athlete. Like there is, I think something to, to what you're saying. Certainly that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. I, I think, um, yeah, that was a huge win, but like, right. That's just an example of, you know, the, the women's soccer team 
having to fight as hard as they did for equal pay is like another example of like, they have to fight for like their, yeah. and it is humanity in some way to we are equal because when you actually look at us soccer and what they said in the lawsuit, it said you are not equal. Like you are not as good as the men because you're women. Like it literally said that. And so they did, they have to fight to say we're just as good. They have to stand up on this very public stage for their like literal humanity. And I think, when your own humanity is challenged in that way on a regular basis, it helps you also see the humanity in others. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit. I, I'm interested. You um, uh, wrote this tremendous article about living non-binary in a binary sports world. Um, and uh, I think uh, this is a uh, Clarendon um, who gave us non-binary. Um, and I think this is an interesting conversation in terms of the evolution of sports. I feel like, you know, um, I think hope, I think uh, hopefully as a, a, a sports podcast that is uh, hosted by a trans woman that we have a fairly substantial like queer audience, but I, uh, you know, imagine we come from a pretty a network that's like, you know, pretty heteronormal, you know, a lot of heterosexual people. So allies are listening. That's great. And I feel like the idea that I would throw out and say, like, you know, where do non-binary people fit in? Will people being like, well, I, you know, I don't I don't know. You know, I, like, we're not sure. Like, we can't get rid of men's and women's leagues, you know, like it's a, that's the way the world has to work. And I feel like, uh you know, where do non-binary people fit in, in the world of sport uh, at the moment? Uh, Currently they don't, right? Like right. we have men's sports, we have women's sports, but um, so I wrote that article and I'd wanted to write it for a very long time. I'm non-binary. So I look at right. it like I'm very right. much like if I was to play, like where would I go? Um, right. And so it was something I'd thought about for a long time and it was really hard. Nobody really wanted to run the story because it didn't seem relevant. It seemed like a, well, we haven't, that's not a problem yet. And then in the span of a few months, Lasia Clarendon in the WNBA and Quinn in the national women's soccer league, both right. on binary. And I was able to be like, hi. Hello. Yes. <laughs> this is an actual thing now. Let's the talk. The thing I saw coming is now here. Hello. <laughs> yes. So, um, you know, that's a little like behind the scenes journalism thing, right? Of like, it has to be like, particularly to cis people who are usually running publications, it has to be seen as like relevant in some way. And so, um, you know, right now, it's mostly women's leagues that are having to grapple with this question. Um, I think there's a few reasons for that. I think if it's not safe for people in men's leagues to be out as gay, it's really not safe for people in men's leagues to be out as non-binary. Yeah. Um, but the other really like interesting thing is that the, the leagues that we think of as men's like pro leagues, I discovered when reporting this story, they don't actually have a gender requirement. So when right. I talked to them, like, do you have a trans inclusion policy? They were like, we don't actually need one because technically anyone of any gender can, you know, be drafted into this league. Um, and you think about it, it's like, oh, National Basketball Association. Like the word men is actually not in. Um, this is a thing that, that annoys me that like we have to qualify the WNBA as the Women's National Basketball right. Association. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, hockey, I think perhaps I, I'm not sure. Why, I, I, other than the fact that like perhaps it's so. Um, 
uh, it's so common. Like I, you know, growing up, um, like identified as a, as a, as a boy growing up, like I, there were girls who played on my hockey teams, right? It was just yeah. like so common. And so there have been, um, a hand, uh, you know, not, ton but there have been women who have played um in the uh and it, actually it might just be one uh who actually played in the nhl a goalie um, yeah a goalie was drafted in like the early 90s yeah maybe. in the early 90s yeah um and yeah. the the nba there was a woman uh louisa harris she just passed recently in the 70s maybe was drafted into the nba um <clears throat> but so i think once you realize that anyone can actually play in these leagues, you have to ask what the purpose of women's leagues are. Like, why do they exist then? And the answer is pretty clear, right? That like women athletes were not getting, they were marginalized by gender and not getting professional sport opportunities because of that. And I think if we're gonna, I don't think we're ready to like blow up men, like the way that sports are organized or forcibly sex segregated. Title line has codified that into law and so people really think that that is like the most um you know uh rational i guess way of organizing sports even though we know that like intersex people and trans people exist like sex itself is not binary but i don't think the world is ready to kind of like blow that all up but i do think if we go back to like the purpose of why women's leagues exist in the first place i could see a world in which that's expanded to like um, folks who are marginalized by gender more broadly. Um, because if you look at the intent, it's, that's another group of people that is, you know, not going to be getting professional opportunities in men's leagues in the same way. Um, and so I can see a case and that's sort of how it's operating right now. You know, the trans inclusion policies that exist basically only exist in, um, women's leagues. Um, and so in pro leagues and the Olympics is another, you know, conversation, but also the trans inclusion policies that exist for the Olympics also um, are there to police people who are competing in the women's category. So that is kind of who is really dealing with with this right now. Right. Um, yeah. That, yeah it's so, yeah, it's interesting that they're just like, yeah, we don't need a policy because there's, uh, you know, it doesn't say that, you know, uh, it's only men in this in this league. But it feels sort of like you know being like ah we're good you know we're fine uh put our hands up uh because it will never you know until again until it like actually happens yeah you know whether or not that the person could be drafted and then like hate crime in the locker room might be a different discussion but like they could be drafted (laughs) yes uh yeah it's a bit yeah um i mean i think the other thing too from like men's sport is there you know i feel like sometimes i feel like as a queer trans person i feel um you know, I'm thinking about things that I don't think other people who are going to a game are thinking about or, you know, um, and, and I don't, you know, especially like in men's sport, which are, you know, the most watched sports in the world, um, um, that we don't just, we, uh, people don't see themselves represented. And also I feel like there's such a culture of this like bro sport culture that I, I hope is like changing, you know, um, we could talk about whether, you know, it is Pride Month. And I know a lot of people, like, I really love Pride Month for what it means for me and people that I know and, and celebrating other queer people. It can be very frustrating for the like rainbowfication, you know, rainbow capitalism. Um, like there's a Blue Jays game this weekend that I'm like interested in going to because it's Pride weekend. And I feel like uh, that will be a more safe time for me to go enjoy my favorite sport and my favorite baseball team, um, this weekend. And I know that like some of that can be, um, can feel phony and it's done, you know, in a way to like 
make money and, and whatever. Um, but also sport has, you know, back to like the bro culture, like, um, there are plenty of instances, right? Where like homophobic slurs are the things that are used. Um, you know, even in sports, I know, I think it's in 2017, 2018, um, uh, Blue Jays pitcher Kevin Pillar, like had used a homophobic slur and he's like, not the only example I can think of, like off the top of my head, where like that's such commonplace in, I feel like in particular in men's um, sports, which might be attributing to this culture of like, yeah, is it safe to be out? No, I don't think it's safe to be out yet. Um, totally. No, I mean, you look and they're like, it's it's Pride weekend. Like we're having a Pride game and there's no openly gay players in any of the leagues. The team owners are donating money to like um, politicians who are passing anti-LGBTQ legislation. <laughs> I'm just sort of like. Like, I get what you're doing. And also, like, what is what is this? Um, I also like for a few years would only go to the Pride game for the Red Sox um, for like that reason. Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you a Red Sox fan? Is I it- live in Boston. I'm actually a Marlins fan. Oh, okay. All right. That's better. All right. As a Blue Jays fan, I was thinking like, we are going to have hard to be mad at somebody for being a Marlins fan because like we're so bad. But um, yeah. but I live in Boston. So okay. right. um, yeah, for a few years, my friends and I would go to the the Pride Red Sox game. And I so part of the reason I cover women's sports, like I actually started covering Major League Baseball. Like I was mm-hmm. a baseball writer. That's how I came up into sports writing. And there got to be a point when I was like, I feel like I'm writing about men who like hate me if they like, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. as like, a survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault as a queer person at the time as a woman like now even more as a trans person I'm sort of like I feel like if these people like knew me they would hate me and I I don't know that like I want to be dedicating my life to covering this sport and I intentionally switched to watching women's sports which is something I had never done because I grew up watching sports with my dad and you know he didn't watch women's sports but I was like, I, I want to cover players that I feel like I can root for as people. And um, I went to a WNBA game um, by myself, actually. I like drove to Connecticut, which is like, you know, an hour and a half to two hours by myself. It was like a weekday morning. It was like camp day. It was all these like buses of children had oh been like, dropped off at the game. Yes. But <clears throat> everyone in my section was like season ticket holders. And they were all these like old lesbians who were like heckling the um, the refs. and. Um, I have never had more fun at a sporting event in my life. And I was like, oh my God, is this what sports can be? And like, there was no looking back. And I think I think of that a little bit when I go to like the pride, like Red Sox games, when there's like actually queer people there. And I'm like, oh my God, this is so joyful. (laughs) I want more of that. But I think like there is something to be said, like I actually stopped watching major league baseball because i didn't feel welcome and i actually went to a league where i can show up to a game and feel like i belong there yeah like i i maybe i just like have i watch more baseball than anything else and i'm talking about like you know i can think of two incidents you know escobar somebody who he wore he wore like a homophobic slur like on his eye black and then kevin pilar yelled uh like the effort at, at somebody and so like yeah it does feel like a little bit like yeah i don't think i'm like totally welcome in this club and baseball has i think it's changing and it's 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 moving in a direction that i that i love with a lot of these young players who are much more likely to be themselves which again i think in terms of this like will that advance other causes like you know the idea that like you can be more 
you don't have to be this like, you know, serious baseball player who, you know, you can have a little bit more fun. Could that open the world for, for somebody who, you know, explores their gender or their sexuality in a way it can be out about that. Like it's sort of what I hope, but baseball is such a sport of, you know, the unwritten rules of yeah. baseball, which sometimes I'm like, yeah, I feel like some of the unwritten rules are like, you can't racist. be queer. You can't be gay. They're racist. Can't be, they're, racist. they're very <laughs> racist that like, yeah, uh, don't flip your bat. Don't, you know, right. do all of this stuff. Right. And so it feels, yeah, unwelcoming. And I'm wondering like, uh, where do you think, what do you think sports? I mean, obviously just like having out athletes, would be something but that's so like on you know queer people you know because it starts so you know it starts so far back that like uh if you're like a little you know as i think more accepting if you're a little queer kid and you're like yeah i'm not gonna go play baseball right now right like there needs to be like years and years of like fundamental change for to like you know get to the point where like these kids are choosing to you know i want to play baseball and i want to like pursue right so what do you think organizations like any of these major sports leagues uh, what do you think they could be doing to try and you know, make it so that in 10 years, the, the, any of their, their organizations, any of their sports feel more open to, you know, queer people. Yeah. I do want to be clear, right? Like the fact that there are no like out gay athletes currently in like major league baseball is not a failure on the athletes to come out. Right. That's on the organizations and institutions in the league for not being safe there are gay people in major league baseball, like sure. whether we know it or not, because there are gay people everywhere. Also, can we talk about how gay, like you're in a locker room together, <laughs> you're, you're talking to there's butts with towels, like, mm-hmm. okay, like it, it's gay. Um, <laughs> but like there are going to be, there's gay people, there's gay men in sports because there's gay men everywhere and there's gay people everywhere. Um, and so they are there. And they're not safe to come out publicly. And that's on, right, the culture, the sport culture and the the culture of the league to not make it safe enough. And I mean, you're right. It goes back to being a kid and being, you know, called gay slurs if you're not good at sports or like hearing your friends make those comments in locker rooms. Um, And so it starts like even like it starts in people's homes. It starts with like a larger cultural change, but like until then, I think it really is on coaches and, um, you know, organizations that like work with kids and like have teams to really like root out and not just say like, you can't say gay slurs and that's a bad word. Don't use it here. You can't say the, you know, the F word in the same way you can't, you know, use a racial slur, right? Like that's not, enough you have to like not just be like against homophobia you have to be like actually like queer positive and sometimes that might mean like bringing in like people from organizations in the city or like looking to diversify the like coaching staff or whatever it is but like um i think it's yeah it's not enough to just be like oh slurs are bad you act we have to like foster this like much more queer positive community and a lot of people don't know like queer people or think they don't know queer people and there's so much research that shows just like knowing a gay person like can completely change the way someone feels about like gay people shocking yep. humanizing wow, wow. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah but, like, if you can do that for kids like then that can have lifelong implications for them and not even if they are 
queer themselves. And again, I mean, like uh, I'm doing the thing that we were talking about silly to do, but like the fact that like it doesn't just affect queer kids, right? right. Like, if you, you know, cis straight kids. And I, I love that I saw this, you know, went around on Twitter or whatever. It's like none of us, none of us in the LGBTQ community want to make your straight kid gay or your cis kid trans. What we want is like, you know, trans and queer kids to like grow up and have a great life. That's all, that's all we want. And so, but there is also this thing about like, you know, the more that, you know, and I feel like there's, there's very small things you can do. And I'm, don't take this as like, as long as I do this one little thing, I've, I've done it. I can like check the box that like I'm an ally, but like, you know, wearing a pin or like putting a flag up somewhere, like it, it's really, I don't think I can say how much it means to me and how much safer I feel to like go to a business or interact with somebody in a way if they have like, if they are like wearing a pin, have a flag up outside of their store. Like it does, it does, you know, it creates this like, idea of acceptance and again it's not like the only thing you can do there's so many other things you can do um but not only are you like making sure you're creating a safe space for like you know queer uh kids you're also like showing that like this is a place where like as a, a cis straight person you you know this is what this is the part of the community that you're a part of if that makes sense yeah you know it's really interesting so i um i had a book come out uh like six months ago. Um, and it's a, it's called Hail Mary and it's about, um, the National Women's Football League, which is the first professional women's football league in U.S. history. Most people didn't know there was one. There was in the seventies. Yes. And <clears throat> very interesting when we talk about this, like how much knowing a gay person can like change things for people. Um, something that I discovered while I was reporting this book, like I knew that some of the players were going to be queer. I didn't know if they were going to want to talk about it. A lot of them did want to talk about it. We talked about it. Um, but what surprised me was what some of the street players had to say. Now this is the seventies. There's not as many openly gay people. It is not as safe to be openly gay. And for many of the straight players on these teams, they'd never met a gay person before joining um, their football team. <clears throat> and those women talk to me about how that experience shaped their social politics for the rest of their lives um, and how it completely like changed the way they thought about gay people because these women were their teammates. Um, <clears throat> and even on one team, this isn't in the book, we discovered it after the book was done. A trans woman in the seventies played on one of the teams. And That's amazing. like the, that I, you know, the, the, that woman's partner said like who had been their partner then too, her partner then too said like they weren't sure they'd never heard of at this point like trans women they didn't know and they asked her to come and they talked to her for a little bit and like thought about it and were like all right yeah and so in the 70s you know this trans woman played on a women's football team and all it required was like these women sitting down with this other woman and like talking to her and finding out and so I think like even just looking at a league like that and in a social time that was different when there was a lot less awareness, I think it's a really good example of how just like knowing and hu knowing somebody and humanizing those people, you know, changed the way those that the, the cis straight women thought about these issues. Yeah. I think that if you are a sports fan and, you know, I think one thing that you can do in terms of, um, I'll, I'll give this advice to like, again, like straight cis people, um, Go follow some queer athletes. Uh, go, you know, um, follow them on your social media. Um, have your feed be filled with like, you know, the viewpoint of people who are, uh, queer and who also love, love sports. You know, I think that's like, uh, it's a little thing you can do to like broaden your horizon a little bit. And like, you're not getting to know them personally, but you're getting to see their like, you know, what they're putting out in terms of social media. 
And I think it's a good segue into, for me, Pride Month is all about, to me, is like celebrating it for me, who I, who I am and who I, that I've chose to like go down a path in terms of like, I am happy with who I am um, and want to like be proud about that. Um, but could you maybe shout out some like uh, LGBTQ like uh, athletes uh, right now who like you would want to celebrate? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, we've already talked about Lasia Clarendon, um, who is not currently on the WNBA roster, but hopefully will be, um, again soon. But, um, Lasia's fantastic. He posts, um, a lot and also like uplifts folks. So I think like, um, they're great. Um, and Quinn on the National Women's Soccer League. We also mentioned... Um, we love a queer Canadian on this podcast. <laughs> so, yeah, also gold, on the Canadian Women's National Team. A gold medal gold medalist Canadian athlete. Fans, yeah. Gold medalist yeah. in Olympic yeah. history, Quinn. Yeah. Um, they're also really great. Um, I really like following um, Courtney Williams in the WNBA. Um, she recently... Um, I don't know if like folks saw, but there was a spread in the Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue featuring some WNBA players. Yes. And Courtney took to Twitter um, to be like, I'm really glad that Sports Illustrated wants to like feature our league, but I'm kind of sick of seeing all of the like women um, only allowed to be this one kind of feminine. And I want to see like women in like board shorts and a sports bra. Cause there's more than one way to look sexy. And she's like constantly kind of like talking about that. Um, she's also really interesting. She, um, isn't in this relationship anymore, but she had a girlfriend who was a YouTuber and they had like a couple's channel and they would make videos together and answer questions about their sex life and stuff, which was like very radical to me. I've like never seen that level of like accessibility. So she's just like super open. And I think she's a great follow. Um, Oh God, I'm like kind of blanking. It always happens, you know. It's there's bad, like yeah. so many, right? Listen, like, can I just say I've, I'm going to be I'm going to be super stereotypical, which like it maybe isn't the best, but like, come on, we should have more queer people in sports. And so, like this idea that like there'll be teammates or on the other teams that is the type of drama that would be we. That's the type of like gay drama we really should be bringing to sports. That's why we should have. More that I'm currently working on an article that's going to be running this month about uh, comparing the women's leagues to the uh, Alice's chart from the L word and all of the relationships <laughs> and breakups and hookups <laughs> that exist within the leagues. Okay, amazing. I love it. Okay, it's so it's if you yeah. want to get into sport, women's sports, because they're amazing at sports, you should. But if also you want to get into like the lesbian drama, this is yeah. like a legitimate reason. So like, for That's example, insane. the Connecticut Sun uh, WNBA team has two different couples on it. And within those two couples, there's like maybe a pair of exes. And then separately, there's also another pair of exes. I love it. <laughs> One of the players was also married to someone else in the league and they're divorced. I mean, like, you can't make uh, this up. It's incredible. Um, So if that's like, if you just want to watch like a game where like one player passes the ball to her wife, um, and <laughs> makes the bucket and like, yeah. like, you can do that. I always, we're here on a reality show TV network. Like this is the foundation of Rob as a podcast. And so I said on the first episode that I think sports is like the first reality show that like, you know, it's, re you know, it's real stuff. And I feel like we could just get it to a whole nother level if sports were more queer, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, okay, so in, in women's hockey, there's three sets of wives who at the Olympics, there's there's a member of the couple who's on the Canadian team and a member on the U.S. team. So you have three wives <laughs> pairs that are like rivals that then have to like play each other in the Olympics. That's amazing. 
See why that's this is the sports story. Where's the gay sports network? Where we need, where is it? <laughs> but well, I will say, like, it's funny you asked me to like name, you know, queer athletes or queer like people in sports that people should follow. And I blank kind of because for me, I'm like, there's so many. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like it's kind of like when people are like, Oh, can you recommend a gay thing for Pride Month? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm gay twelve months a year. Like <laughs> Sort of just like my default. I'm like yeah, like ten months of the year. I take two <laughs> months off in the summer. Just yeah. It's too hot. It's too hot to be queer in the summer. <laughs> um, I very quick. I do want to. Uh, you did an article on um, uh, Blow, which is uh, the Boston League of Wicked Wrestlers, this yeah. queer uh, wrestling thing. We do not tend to cover wrestling because there's a uh, the wrestling wrap up here on the um, on uh, Rob is a podcast network. But I thought that was so fun. And granted, is I'm a huge wrestling fan, and um, I feel like you know there's. Um, there's wrestling shows around typically when like WrestleMania is happening that are like, uh, I think it's called Effie's Big Gay Brunch, the show like all queer wrestlers. And so like there's this like super cool underground queer wrestling. Cause I feel like wrestling, like we want to talk about like sports is, is like homoerotic, like boy, like watch some wrestling, wrestling. you know, yes, men, men and women in trunks, you know, grappling each other, super gay. Uh, uh, but that was great. I really enjoyed that article. And yeah, there's just like this such underground queer movement of wrestling. That's like, and that's like breaking through in, in some areas, which is really cool to see as well. Yeah. No, I loved talking to the folks at Blow and thinking about also the ways that like for like queer and trans people whose bodies are so often the site of trauma, whether that's like, you know, some sort of sexual trauma or also just the trauma of being like trans right. <laughs> and like <laughs> figuring out your body yeah. um, and how wrestling was like a way that was really empowering and allowed them to like be in their body in a different way and kind of reclaim it for themselves was something that I like really appreciated hearing about and as a perspective that you're like not going to get as often outside of outside of a league like that. Yes. Um, all right. Before we wrap up, is there anything else, you know, you want listeners to, again, I say, I think, you know, we have a fairly sizable, you know, cis straight, you know, uh, listenership. Is there anything, it's pride month. Is there anything you'd want them to know? I think what I would say is that sometimes we get a lot like of sports is just about like the game. Right. And like, mm-hmm. um, you know, stick to sports is kind of like this mantra that we hear, like, why does it matter? And I think that like sports do not exist in a vacuum, right? They are reflections of like our larger culture. And the truth of like the matter is they have such a huge like cultural impact, like on the world that we live in. Um, And when you ask people to stick to sports or you say, why does it matter? Why do we need to know that somebody's gay? Whatever you're actually denying them the ability to be like fully human and like fully themselves. Um, and like that has, you know, that has ripple effects to other folks who are being, you know, then denied the opportunity to be fully human. So recognizing someone in their fullness is really granting them humanity. And I, I think at the very least, that's an argument for why it's relevant. I could make a lot of other arguments as well, but like, to me, I'm like at the very least, like, people deserve to be recognized as like full humans um, and should don't, don't deserve to have like parts of themselves erased for other people's comfort. I completely co-signed that. So I remember when there was some trans legislation, like, you know, it's just like human rights stuff that was passed in Canada a few years ago. It's just like, Oh, pretty cool to like get human rights in like 2019. Uh, but uh, yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, if people want to read some of your work buy your book, Hail Mary, the rise and fall, of the national women's football league, where can people find you? I'm on Twitter at the Frankie DLC. 
um, and Instagram at the same. Um, as a freelancer, my stuff is kind of all over. So social media is usually the best way to keep up with me. Okay. Thanks so much for joining me today, Frankie. Thanks so much for having me. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. All right. Welcome back. We are here with our next segment, Game On, and I have brought in some guests. First, Zach Peters. Zach, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. So I'll edit this, Zach. Do you want to be Zach Peters or just want to be Zach? Oh, no, that works for me. Okay. All right. Uh, great. And then also the great eight ball, Isaiah. How you doing, Isaiah? Great. I'm so excited to be here. You know, I'm a, a, a huge basketball head. Love um, that we got the finals coming up and I'm just, I'm happy to talk about it. Cool. So what I have here, I've invited you both to play a game where you two will compete against each other. This is very untraditional of the off podcast. Typically the games that I run, I typically have people compete with each other, but I'm pitting you two against each other. I did a call out a few weeks ago. I said, uh, Rahab fans, are there any uh, fans of these teams? Uh, Zach, you came through and you said, yes, I'm a fan of the Boston Celtics. So I've looped you in. Unfortunately, my, my Golden State Warriors fan uh, was unable to make it to instead I've looped in Isaiah to represent the Golden State Warriors. I know you're a big basketball fan, Isaiah, so you'll have to yeah. do it. Yeah. That, that's perfectly fine. Um, I'm a Sixers fan. Um, I'm very cocky about it. Um, and I hate the Celtics, so this yeah. is a beautiful, beautiful thing. <laughs> you know what? Actually, this was the thing that really clenched it for me because it wasn't that so much that you're a huge Golden State fan. Yeah. But you're like, I hate the Boston Celtics. Yeah, uh, exactly. Yeah. I'm um, used to it at this point. It's well-deserved. <laughs> I, I, I'm whatever. Yeah, I feel bad, Dave. Like, uh, between uh, this podcast now and then with winning time uh, about the Los Angeles oh, Lakers, yeah. a lot of Celtics hate coming out of uh, <laughs> at least the, the content that I am watching uh, lately. Um, so, uh, Zach, let me ask you. It's a, bi- a big deal. The Celtics are in the, are in the finals. Can mm-hmm. you just give your general thoughts on the Celtics being in the NBA finals? Yeah, I mean, honestly, at the end of la- uh Last year in December, not many people thought this would be happening. I mean, they were yes. under 500 heading into January. So to the, say that the, they really turned it around somewhere around the midseason would be an understatement. And I'm just beyond happy, I guess, that they're here because, like you said, like I said, I did not expect it. And some of the stars seem to have really figured it out and they're playing well as a team. So it's just been fun to watch. Yeah. Um, Isaiah, as we said, you're a, a 76ers fan, uh, and they did defeat the Toronto Raptors, uh, like you uh, liked to brag about on Twitter, which is fine. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, how do you feel about Golden State making it to the finals? 
I mean, I'm I'm very happy for them. Uh, to be quite frank, I mean, I mean, I don't tend to root for anyone outside of my own circle. But like, just as a general sports fan, I mean, it, it's definitely a huge come up story. Um, after KD left, I was like, ooh, I don't know if they can do it again. Um, because that first ring that they got, I mean, that was very specific. Uh, but it was it's been a fun journey just seeing this very young roster. Uh, my might I say, um, just get their way back to the finals. I'm, I'm very happy for like Andrew Wiggins, who honestly, guy, I didn't think would ever be in the finals. But I mean, look, look, I mean, he's here. Um, just uh, the the research of like Jordan Poole. I mean, I'm sure we'll get into it once we get into the game. But it's been it's been fun to see. Uh, for all of you at home playing, Grace mentions Canada bingo. Uh, Andrew Wiggins, a nice young Canadian who's in the NBA Finals, so that's very exciting. Yeah, I mean the Warriors could have had an extra title on their under their belt, but uh, fortunately they lost to the Toronto Raptors. I'll just yeah. bring that up uh, if we if you don't mind. Um, so here's how we're going to uh, uh, here's what we're going to play the game. I have uh, set up. Uh, I'm going to give a big shout out to Jordan Kalish, I think the games master potentially of the Rob as a podcast universe. Um, so what uh, we are, have done is I've asked you each to pick seven players from the team that you're representing. Uh, and what we're going to do is in each round, you're going to present one of your players and then the other team will present one of their players. And we're going to make, you're going to make the best argument for why this player should win that round. And you can do whatever you want. You could do, you know, their stats are better. Their name is better. Uh, they're better looking. Um, anything you want, anything you want to try and persuade me as to why, uh, you should win. Best of seven. This will act as our, uh, NBA finals uh, preview, uh, which probably by the time you're listening to this podcast, by the time it comes out, game one has already happened. Um, but we are time is soup and we are recording before the first game of the NBA finals. So. I am going to give Isaiah home field, uh, home court advantage uh, because the Warriors have home court advantage. So I'm not going to ask you for your reason, Zach, but I will ask you to pick your first player out of your, your, uh, from your Boston Celtics lineup. Honestly, how can you start anywhere but with uh, the star at this point, Jason Tatum? Wow. Strong, strong move to come out with your star. (laughs) Yeah, this is good. Okay. Isaiah, who do you got from the uh, Golden State Warriors? And we don't know the criteria, do we? I mean, you're going to invent the criteria, but you don't know why Zach, what Zach's going to say about Jason Tatum. I mean, I feel like that's a huge throwaway. So I'm going to waste Otto Porter Jr. Um, <laughs> and give a free point. <laughs> well, I'm not even going to. Well, OK, but let's make things interesting. Zach, if you could put, give me the pitch, Jason Tatum, give me, give right. me the pitch uh, better than uh, than uh, Otto Porter Jr. So I guess you got to start out with just generally. He's one of the top like up and coming stars in the NBA right now. And just in these playoffs, he's averaging like 27 points a game, six assists, seven rebounds. Like he's doing everything on the court. He's hit game winning shots. And then if you just want to go outside of things, he has one of the cutest kids in the finals right now. Deuce Tatum is a star in the making at four years old. And (laughs) the Celtics always tweet out his fits as he's coming up to the court, always looking fly. That's amazing. I love, I love, you're not like, you didn't bank on the fact that Isaiah said you can have this point. You came out with some good reasons, but now Isaiah, I'm going to put you on the hot seat. You thought you're throwing away your point, but you got to tell me why Otto Porter Jr. is better than Jason. (laughs) Listen, just because I gave Otto Porter out doesn't mean that it's a free point. Yeah. Uh, In theory, we love an underdog story. Um, absolutely. (laughs) That's the perfect thing that I want to say. We love an underdog story. Now, just like Tatum. Otto Porter was drafted at third in his draft class, which is beautiful. But um, Otto Porter Jr., he's been through a couple teams now. I remember his last team was the Wizards. Um, I'm, uh, 
my God, what team did he get drafted to? Um, not even gonna worry about that. Worry um, about I know, that. yeah, not even gonna worry about that. He played in Georgetown, did a really good job. Um, was so good that he got his third pick, got to the third pick. Obviously, didn't really meet up to the hype, but he's been doing a great job. You see, he's been a great role player for the Warriors. Now he's in the finals. Um, I, I will also say he, he there was a lot of buzz and there was a meme about him earlier this season because he looks like Wilt Chamberlain. Um, uh, coincidentally, it was kind of funny. Um, I don't see any uh, memes about Jason Tatum anywhere. So, I mean, look, I, I think Otto Porter should get a little leg up on him. I don't know. Uh, Porter was drafted by the Wizards in 2014. Went to play for the Bulls, the Magic, and now and then signed uh, with the Warriors. But uh, boy, I, I you know what? He looks like Will Chamberlain. That's a very good argument. But I think Zach came up pretty strong in round one and didn't just say, you know, it's Jason Tatum. Give me the point. So I'm going to give the point to Jason Tatum. Meaning the Boston Celtics are up on the Golden State Warriors, one game to nothing. Um, game two, we we won't because we don't care about. There's no traveling here. We will go back and forth. The Warriors will just have home field advantage for the last game. So Isaiah, I'm going to get you to pick a player first. Let's let's go out with Clay Thompson. Why not? Let, let's Ooh. get the the second splash brother in here. Let's go, with Clay Thompson. Back, who are you picking from the Boston Celtics? I'm trying to decide if I want to follow Isaiah's strategy or not. <laughs> uh huh. Uh-huh. And you know what? Let's. Uh, Oh, let's make it competitive here. Jalen Brown. You have to go with the other J at this point. Jalen Brown. Uh, all right, Isaiah, give me your uh, give me your pitch. I mean, who doesn't love Clay Thompson, right? Uh, the dude got drafted out. No one thought he would be this good. Um, one of the best shooting guards in the league outside of like what, like James Harden, Beal. I, I mean, I think Clay Not Thompson. This year, I don't most- think with James Harden, but yeah. I don't want to talk about it, but (laughs) in general, um, I definitely think that Clay Thompson slept on. Uh, I I think he's easily, uh, if not the best shooting guard, he's like at least top three. Um, Obviously, he was gone for a couple years because of that injury when uh, they lost to the 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 Raptors and everything. But since his comeback, he's played a great time. He's played a great game. Basically, all COVID years anyway. Whatever. Oh yeah, absolutely. All bubble years. Right, right, right. Who cares? Um, he's he's been awesome though. I I love the the return uh with it with his headband. I think it's it's Mm -hmm. hilarious. I think it's blasphemous that they didn't put him in the uh, the NBA seventy five uh for like all the the best players. But you put Damian Lillard there. I didn't really understand that. Mm -hmm. Um, but he's easily part of one of the best backcourts in NBA history, and there's no denying that. And if he gets a ring, I mean, that's another that's another thing under his belt. That would be like what his third or fourth ring. I think it's just it would be his third ring, right? Uh, it would be his fourth ring. Fourth, even better. 2015, so, 2017, 2018. Yeah, it's a, you yeah. know the comeback story. He passes uh, Ray Allen this year on the three pointer mm-hmm. uh, list. You know, it, yeah, guaranteed Hall of Famer by my my added by the way. All right, all right, all right. Zach, that's tough. Uh, but you have Jason Tate. Uh, no, sorry. Uh, you have uh, Jalen Brown. Uh, yeah. Okay, give us the pitch. I mean, it is. Thompson is very tough, but um, you, what can you say? Like, they're the J. <laughs> Splash Brothers. I'll, I like to call them the J Brothers, the Jalen and Jason. Yes. Um, but he's a consistent leader on the team. He's like, if Jason Tatum's having a bad night, Jalen Brown's the one stepping up and filling in the star role he's uh from he's from the bay area so he could have some hometown love while he's there um he um i shouldn't say he's from there he went to college there he went to um the university of california but a homecoming um, of sorts it's you know when you go back to your university a homecoming. exactly yeah. and and he's a 
not only is he a leader on the court, he's a leader off the court. He's been huge in the um, NBA Players Association and uh, in the social justice movements in, that the NBA have been participating in. He's been one of the huge thought leaders there. So not only is he good on the court, he's also good off the court. Ooh, that's a good argument. Okay, so, I mean, basically, you know, someone who has, you know, a bit of a breakout year to this first All-Star team this year, Jalen Brown. The social justice thing, you're like, that's you're, you're pulling on my strings. Um, <laughs> but I think for the, the sake of I'm, I am going to give it to uh, Clay Thompson there. Uh, I think Isaiah makes a good point, a, a bona fide Hall of Famer. He has the comeback. Uh, yeah, oh. it's a good, it's a good, it's a good story. So I, uh, I knew we, where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's very interesting. I think in terms of like this game that like, yeah. uh, I feel like it would have, you know, you had home field, adva- home court advantages yeah. as you picked, you know, you just threw out auto border junior and then came back here. You're like, yeah, I got Clay Thompson. Who do you got? Uh, it's very interesting. <laughs> uh, Cause you're going to get advantage again. So Zach, pick a, pick a, your third player. Um, let's go with- a little bit deeper down the down the bench here, and let's go with Grant Williams. Grant Williams, all right. And uh, Isaiah, who are you putting up against Grant Williams? I think it's time to bring out Andre Godala. Andre Godala, all right. Yeah. Uh, Zach, Grant Williams, make make the pitch. So Grant Williams is like one of those hustle guys that everybody wants on their team. He may not score a ton, but every once in a while, he will just go off and hit. And uh, he already had a thirty point game this playoffs. Um, He's just all over the place on defense. And there's a great story from earlier this year where he uh, doesn't have a consistent nickname, but he was at the podium with uh, Jalen Brown at one point. And Jalen Brown said that Grant wanted everybody to tell, he wanted Jalen to tell everybody that uh, his new nickname was Batman because he yes. was defending Jokic, the That's Joker amazing. at the time. So um, and Brown, I was like, I don't know. That's not a good one, but we're going to go with it. Have you heard the derivative, the Nick, the, what they've decided, some people have decided to go with instead of Batman? Have you heard this? Uh, I don't think I saw this on Twitter, the, Celtics Twitter. The dork knight. <laughs> that fits. <laughs> he is a huge dork. So. Yeah, amazing. Uh, all right. That's uh, Grant Williams. Isaiah, you got Ugadala. Let's hear it. I mean, who doesn't love Iguodala, especially me um, as a as a Sixers fan? He was our best player for a couple of years. Um, I remember there was the year he was on Team USA, which they got a medal for, by the way. Um, he got traded to Denver. Kind of sad about it, but I mean, obviously, we, we made it work. Eventually, we see him go to Golden State, where he becomes a great bench player and eventually all-star. Um, on the Sixers in 2012, I, I remember he was an All Star. I forgot to put that in his resume, but um, Finals MVP um on the Warriors. They, as Skip Bayless likes to call him for some odd reason, and Max Kellerman, they call him the LeBron stopper. He is absolutely not, but um, he was obviously such a great LeBron stopper that specific year that they gave him a Finals MVP. He's back in the Finals this year, possibly going to win another ring, and if he does. I think not a first ballot Hall of Famer, but eventually would become a Hall of Famer. As an All Star, he has the Team USA medal. He has the Finals MVP, and he had, he would hypothetically have two rings. So I would love to see Iguodala thrive in this round and give me a second point. I think he, along with Clay, is going for his fourth 
championship, I believe. I think yes, he won, yes, he won, yes. he won three and then four. Yeah, he went, he went over to the, and they played in five straight NBA five. That Warriors team was, was, was wild. It was insane, man. It was insane. It was insane. Okay. I am, it's a good argument, uh, Isaiah, but I'm going to say you lean too much on the past. Uh, I think I got to give it to Zach. So we Boston up two to one. Uh, it's a good argument. I think okay. the thing that's fun about Ugadala this year is that he, much like, uh, we're saying before, this is his return, you know, like this yes. is his play. Uh, he went to my, he went to Miami. Well, it wasn't great. It was okay. It's fine. Memphis uh, was, a, was a horrible. Yeah, and uh, and now he's back. Like that's that's the fun story. So yeah. I think you had to bring that. I, th- I that could have swayed me potentially, but I'm gonna give the point to Zach uh, with with the dork night. Uh, even though that was a point I I made, but uh, yeah. the bat. We're talking about Batman. Uh, that's great. Um. All right. Game four. Uh, Boston up two to one. Uh. Who's up for uh uh Isaiah? You give me a player first. Let me um. Before I, before I do, I need to be a little strategic about that because okay. I'm, I'm sick. So I lost that one, so I got I got four picks left. I have to be a little bit more careful. I just got to look at who's left on the Celtics. You can play Otto Porter Jr. again if you want. Oh, I would love that, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna take a risk. I'm gonna yeah. no, not yet, not yet. I'm gonna Ooh. play. Uh, I'm gonna play. I got four picks left. I'm going to play James Wiseman. Why not? Let's play. Okay. Wiseman. All right. And who are you putting up against James Wiseman, Zach? Uh, let's do uh, the Celtics. Also, young, young big man, Robert Williams. Robert Williams. All right. Uh, what do you got, Isaiah? Yeah, it's going to be a little, a little different. Um, speaking of Iguodala comebacks, we're seeing James Wiseman. He's hurt right now, which sucks because he was having a great season with the Warriors. I think that when the Warriors drafted Wiseman, which no one really, th- everyone was shocked that they got that draft pick because, um, they're coming off of a great year and then obviously injuries with Clay and everyone happened and it completely tanked. So when the Warriors got Wiseman, I believe at second pick, it was crazy because they desperately needed an all. I mean, a center. They were no real big men um, who were dominant, and I think Wiseman definitely came into that system and was very active. Um, now I believe he's out currently, but during the season, he I believe I got to pull up his stats. I think he had like at least like eleven points. Isaiah, this is yeah. such a risky choice. You picked someone who is out for the entire NBA. <laughs> exactly, but you didn't let me finish. But. <laughs> Yeah. As we're talking about the past with Iggy, we're yeah. going to talk about the future with Wiseman because okay. I think All Wiseman right. definitely is the future of this league, which Williams definitely is not. I think he's going to be a great role player where I think Wiseman could come out and be a great all-star at some point. Um, so even though he is missing currently, I think that his up rising within the future of the warrior system it would be great i remember even speaking from my personal aspect as like a sixers fan and seeing other teams trying to actually get wiseman every single team that tried to get him the Warriors was like you got a package in like an all-star some draft picks we're not doing it so they obviously have a lot of faith in him and i am having a lot of faith in him as well with this uh with this pick this is a bold choice someone who's not playing yes. in the finals i i like it uh, zach what, what do you got all right, so Robert Williams uh, is he? His first couple of years with the Celtics, he was injured a lot. He didn't couldn't get into the rotations, but the past couple of years now that he's been with the team, he's been a stalwart defensive player for them. He get averages like two blocks a game. He's a huge presence around the rim that did, did, um, really was a big difference maker against Giannis and some of the others in the playoffs who really like to drive in. And he was also. There's someone else who I might bring up later who won a certain award, but he was, um, Robert Williams was 
uh, in the top 10 for that voting as well for Defensive Player of the Year this year. Also, if we're talking about fun nicknames this whole time, his nickname is Time Lord. Is it really? The Time it Lord? Is. Yes. Why because, do they call him Time Lord? Because <laughs> after he got drafted, he slept late and missed his flight to Boston <laughs> for the initial press conference. Oh my God. And That's, wow. <laughs> so ever since then, Celtics Twitter has called him Time Lord and it has stuck across his teammates everywhere. Even though Danny Ainge tried to stop it from happening because saying it was a terrible nickname. Everybody was <laughs> like, nope, we're keeping this. Yeah, I was expecting like, oh, people think he, he feels like he slows down time when he's on the court, no. you know? No, he was late to a press conference. <laughs> uh, that's brutal. That's a great nickname. Uh, he is also dealing with an injury, I believe, although he yes, is playing. He is. Uh, he's not playing quite as much uh, as no. perhaps uh, he would like to be. So that is that is interesting. I also, I feel like you failed him. He is Robert Williams the third. Which is, oh, yeah. and then, and then the fact that he's the Time Lord, that's pretty great. Uh, Isaiah, it's so hard. You pick someone who's not playing in the final. I, I feel like I have to go with, with, uh, I have to give Zach the point here. I think he's not playing in the finals. <laughs> three to one, I think. This could be a, this could be a bit of a blow. Listen, if the yeah. Caps can come back, I can come back, Grace. It'll be okay. Fine. All right. It'll be fine. Uh, all right. Uh, Zach, I think you're up next, right? Yep. Um, yeah. I had a feeling. Now that I know where Isaiah will be going next, because he needs to stop the bleeding a little bit. Um, so I'm going to put up someone who I think matches up well on the court with that person I think Isaiah is going to select. And I'm going to choose Marcus Smart. Okay, Marcus Smart. Uh, Isaiah. I don't like playing in people's hands. I like playing risky. So I'm not going to pick who, who Zach thinks I'm picking. I'm going to pick, uh, because I feel like Zach here is going to lean into defensive player of the year. So I'm going to lean into my defensive player of the year, Draymond Green. That's Draymond like, Green. Yeah. All right. Yes. Uh, so, uh, Marcus Smart versus Draymond Green. Zach, make the case for Marcus Smart. So. As Isaiah said, Marcus Smart uh, became the only the second guard since Gary Payton in the 90s to win Defensive Player of the Year. That doesn't, it's something that just doesn't ever happen. Um, he's one of the ultimate hustle players. Like people constantly are calling him a bulldog on the court. Like you don't want to be matched up against Marcus Smart. I relate to him a lot because when I played basketball, that was me. I it could not score at all. But I was the defensive specialist, so I've always been a, had a soft spot for Marcus Smart. And he's got I've his hair green. Defense wins championships. His hair is green. It's, and his it's hair really is green, green now. I once yeah. I heard from someone on Twitter that everybody should, every player on a team should dye their hair the primary color of their team. Of their team. Make it easier. <laughs> Who would look? Yeah, that's interesting. I would like to. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'll I'll okay. leave it with that. Marcus Smart. All right, Draymond Green matched up against Marcus Smart. Uh, is that? Yeah, I, you know, I definitely needed to match another defensive juggernaut against this one. Um, Marcus Smart, obviously a great defensive player this year. Uh, but Draymond Green, outside of just being a great defensive player this year, has been a great defensive player his entire life. Um, not only is he a four-time champion, multi-time all-star, uh, got defensive player of the year one time, also has gotten NBA all-defense team, I want to say at least three or four times. Um, Huge personality. I love his podcast as well, um, where he's actively talking about his journey to the finals, which has been such a delight, um, making such an impact that you got in people like Stephen A and Shannon and all these other people 
talking about a YouTube podcast on television, which is crazy. They feel threatened by this guy. Who else doesn't feel threatened? The refs are threatened by this guy so much that they had to take him out during the game that they would have won the finals um, a couple of years ago. Uh, yes, he he's a tech lord, but he is a fan favorite has so much heart. He's like the next coming of Dennis Rodman in modern day NBA. Um, and he's going to be a juggernaut in the media when he's all sudden done, obviously already a guaranteed hall of famer. I feel like it's hard not to give him his credit here. Um, I, I feel like as soon as you say he has a podcast, I think I have to, uh, to <laughs> agree. I think that's like a given, but I also think another Isaiah, if you could have just said, yeah, of course, Marcus Smart's hair might be green, but Draymond Green's name <laughs> is Draymond Green. Green. So I will give the points, uh, to, to Isaiah, Draymond Green. Uh, I think he was, he was pretty high up there in technical fouls this year as well. That's fun. Uh, he likes to get technical fouls. Uh, so, all right. So not quite tied up. Uh, Zach is still up three to two. Uh, head to game number six. Uh, Isaiah, you were up first. Hmm. Hmm. We love playing risky here. Right? We love playing risky here. So we have, I would, you know, I love playing risky here. I only have three people who are really worth speaking about. But I'm going to, you know what? We're going to keep it in Canada. We're going to pick Andrew Wiggins. All right. right Zay there. gets the point. Uh, we'll move. <laughs> just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. All right. Zach, who do you got? Up against Andrew Wiggins. Um, this is important because let's just lay out. Yeah. The, let's just lay it out here. Uh, uh, Isaiah, although Isaiah plays risky, but presumably he's kept Steph uh, Curry as his number seven, and will be yeah. is, is, if he wins this game, will then pull out Steph Curry for for game number seven. And so this is a big decision you you have here in terms of uh, whether to go for it now. I hope you can beat Andrew yeah. again, or do you? But you don't want to be out of bullets by the time you get to game seven. It's very You're interesting. Voicing my thoughts exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, almost like I commentate about this. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So. I'm probably going to end up playing it safe and end up going for the big dog match in the game seven. So I'm going to go okay. with Derek White here. Derek White. Okay. Uh, Isaiah, give me the Andrew Wiggins pitch, other than that he's Canadian. I mean, outside of him being a, a Canadian, um, I mean, it, Andrew Wiggins is like the definition of an underdog story. Um, coming out of high school, Everyone saw him as like the next coming of LeBron James. Yeah. He was projected to be huge. He was a huge deal. Drafted first by the Minnesota Timberwolves. He was with uh, Zach Levine and Carl Anthony Towns, which kind of interesting. All three of them are now all stars. Um, yeah, he had a good year. He was rookie of the year in his first year. Absolutely. Like, it's fine. It yeah. looked like yeah, everything was going to go well. Yeah. And then it just, it just crashed, man. I, a lot of people question his work ethic. Um, and honestly, I don't think that his work ethic was bad necessarily. I just think that, uh, he just was not made for that system. The moment they got him out of there and put him in Golden State, everyone was like, this is supposed to be the guy to replace Kevin Durant and, and, and D'Angelo Russell. And he did very well. So much that the fans voted him as an all-star this season. Um, he's been playing a great basketball. He's been a great uh, small four for the Warriors, um, specifically in that star lineup where they desperately needed a small four to replace that KD slot. Um, and he's just been fun to watch. I, I've enjoyed watching the comeback story of Andrew Wiggins. It's not really a comeback story. It's just um, the media gave him a high proje- projection and him exceeding meeting his expectations that he should have been when he first drafted. So I th- I'm, I'm happy to see him here. I hope he gets his first ring this year and shuts up all the haters. And uh, I think that yeah, he, he was a great pick for, for this round. Mm, yes. Okay. Uh, Zach, what do you got with uh, Derek, uh, Derek White? 
So Derek White was um, acquired by the Celtics midseason from the Spurs. Uh, at the time, they were really floundering, as I said before. Like they had no, they were under 500. And somehow, even though he is not a huge scorer, he became a spark plug for the team and got them an extra shooter that had forced people to space the floor a little bit. Also, big good story this from this playoffs. He had his first kid in the middle of the series against Miami, missed game two, Celtics still won, kids born, Hendricks White born that night. Um, same name as uh, Robert Williams III's kid. They both have the, they have the same, they both named their kid the same thing, Hendrick? Yes, yeah. Uh, like the, um, yeah. And uh, he's been, just been like a guy that has filled in whenever they needed him. If Smart's injured, if and is playing the defense they need to get them through these playoffs. Um, well, like I mentioned with Williams earlier, Grant Williams earlier, they've just, whenever people have been injured, he's one of those people that just steps up and does what they need to do to get Celtics on to the next round. Um, all right. I like that he had a kid and then he came back, but Andrew Higgins is Canadian. So I'm going to give the point yeah. to Isaiah. And uh, we're going to head to games. As if we're not headed to games, Kevin. Come on. I was just looking at the Celtics roster to see if they had any Canadian, and it's, and it's a guy who plays zero minutes. Yeah, so. to just pull. Yeah, I mean, you could try it. Uh, okay, so, Zach, uh, it's on you to name the last player uh, here uh, in, in game seven. So I think we're going to have an all veteran round here and go with Al, Al Horford. Al Horford. Uh, okay, Isaiah, who are you picking? I feel like no. you might have you might have you said you don't like to play it safe. I feel like there's a world in which like you didn't have Stephen Curry on your roster. You know, I'm I'm picking Jordan. Put no, I'm picking yeah. Stephen Curry. <laughs> okay. um, I, I hate Al Horford. No, I don't really hate him. Um, I, you know, I'll get to him in a second. Go go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. So I mean, Horford. He was started out his career with the Hawks. Came to the Celtics for a little bit. Ended up with Isaiah 76ers for a year. Went oh. to OKC and is back here at the Celtics and it's looking like his younger days with the Hawks again. He's putting up 30 point games. He's all over the floor on defense and he's just, it's just a great story. It's his 15th year in the NBA and it's his first NBA finals appearance. Like he, this means more to him than probably almost anybody on the court. And he's going to really leave it all out on the floor there every single game. He was pretty emotional uh, when they advanced to the finals. Like it's, uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, if they win, yeah. Uh, all right, Steph Curry. Can you make an argument for Steph Curry? It can be tough, Isaiah. You know, Steph Curry has lived it all. He's lived. Uh, he's been the underdog. He's been the top dog. He's been the all dog. You know, um, he came in his league very, very uh, underestimated. I want to say, uh, you know. Definitely, he had to partner up with Monte Ellis. Uh, you know, he kept dealing with ankle injuries. People were ready to write this guy off. Came back. Um, the Warriors took a chance on him and kept him over Monte Ellis and definitely built around Steph Curry and has been paid wonders over his career. We see him form the Splash, the Splash Brothers with uh, Clay Thompson. You see Draymond Green and him have a great partnership and make an amazing big three. We've seen them win the first well, let me stop. There's a whole lot of things I want to talk about. We've seen them introduce sleeve jerseys, which was a, was an era. That's definitely mm-hmm. the first thing. Mm-hmm. The second thing I want to say is we've seen him introduce the um, the Under Armour uh, sneaker line that Under Armour wasn't doing anything until Steph Curry. I just want to bring that up. Mm-hmm. The next thing we want to talk about, they have the record for the highest win season. I believe it was like 82 games. We've seen them win. This will be his fourth championship if he, they win one. Um, we've seen him create one of the best duels 
with Kevin Durant. He's a multi-time All-Star. I believe he's won two MVPs within his um, NBA career. Um, yes. And I think if he won this ring, he will be solidifying himself as a top 10 NBA player. Um, I think best... Oh, he, I, I, how can I forget? He literally just beat uh, Ray Allen's three-point record this year as well. Um, he's nowhere close to retiring, so that, that number is just going to go up throughout his career. Um, I, I feel like Steph Curry should not lose to a single person in any of these rounds. Um, I'm, I'm ballsy for not playing him against Tatum, but, uh, you know, it is what mm. it is. Mm. How do you rob him? Grace, don't do this to me. <laughs> Listen, here's, here's the dilemma, right? So, like, I do, I am somebody on record. I do think it's interesting to watch, to watch, like, a real-life dynasty. And I feel like, although this is not, like, you know, uh, this isn't like, you know, they win three times in four years from 2015 to 2018, but they have been like still like very, very good. They just haven't won in a while. And so, yeah, to win like for Steph Curry to four championship over the course of what, since, since 2015 when it's four championship. And then I think it's very funny for me on the other hand to think of like, I'm basically putting Al Horford in as like an underdog here. So to think of like the Boston Celtics, like one of the most successful NBA franchises of all time as the underdog. Um, but I am going to put them here because what Zach did is pick Al Horford who has never made it. And so would I rather see, this is for me. Do I think it's more interesting for the dynasty win, the like, you know, the like cementing the dynasty, or do I think it's more interesting to give the win to Zach and say, yeah, Al Horford winning his first NBA championships 15 years in. Is more interesting hypothetically. Well, your all yours is also hypothetical. <laughs> so, so I'm going to give it to Zach. I'm going to give Zach the win. Oh right? my god! Ooh, yeah, he shouldn't have. He shouldn't have kept Steph Curry in the wow. in the barrel this whole time. It didn't, wow. didn't pan out. Wow. I, our official rap the Offspeed podcast prediction is the Boston Celtics <laughs> in seven games. Uh, that's the way it that goes. People will be very mad race. at me. It's going to go seven either way. I'm I think, very mad at you. That's a wrong prediction. <laughs> No. Hey, hey, it's it's whatever I said at the beginning, it's whatever criteria. I never said it was the best the best player because we could have just stacked yeah, their yeah. stats up to their stats, right? Uh I think the story is very fun of Al Horford. I the same thing we were talking with Levine a few weeks ago. We were rooting for Joe Thornton to win uh, the M, uh, the NHL finals because that's mm-hmm. the best story. It's like the old guys still got it. That's the best sports story in the world. They've made like a million mm-hmm. movies about that. Uh so that's that's fun. Sorry, Isaiah, if you're wrong. You can come and defend uh, yeah, uh, your yeah. partners another time uh, if you'd like. Welcome back. Yeah, this isn't even my team. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> He's just salty that he lost to Al Horford. Al, yeah, exactly. Al Horford. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Just wait. Al Horford, NBA Finals MVP. We're calling it here as wow. well. Uh, all right. Uh, Zach, do you have anything you want to promote, uh, plug? Uh, do you have anything going on? Uh, no, not really. Just find me if in the post-show recaps Discord if you're there, hanging around playing D and D doing other fun stuff around there. It's a lovely like, community. It's the beginning of the month. It's a good time to become a patron, either of Rob as a podcast or the, uh, or the kosher recaps patron. I keep a list up over there of the, uh, episodes that have yet to be revealed on the down the hatch countdown. So yes, if you want to know which ones haven't been revealed yet, you can go and look at that list. Amazing. Uh, Isaiah, what about you? What do you got going on? Um, funny you said that. I'm playing D and D in like an hour. So. Oh my god! <laughs> but uh, now this is fine. Um, definitely invite me back because I, I had a fun time with this. But uh, you can find me um, on Twitter and Instagram and all that fun stuff at Eight Ball Bangers, where you can see me talking about reality television, probably complaining about the Sixers, or talking about anime and music or something. Uh-huh. Um, you can also see me podcast on uh, my my podcast network, Silent Podcast, where. 
doing the same thing, probably complaining about uh, something that I don't like. Um, and uh, lastly, you can find me on not only RHAP, but also the Purple Pants podcast where I'm speaking on music on both of them. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, yeah, check me out. But thanks I got, for inviting me. I got to be on the Purple, or the, not the Purple Pants, on the Sound Podcast Network. I was on uh, yes, Top Chef Pod uh, recently. Uh, nice. Very fun. I was a quick fair queen. Yeah. All right. Thank <laughs> you both for joining me. Uh, apologies to all the Golden State Warriors fans, but congratulations, <laughs> Boston. You're going to win in uh, seven games. Uh, all right. We'll see you in a bit. All right. That is our show this week. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Frankie. Thank you to Isaiah and Zach for joining me in the second segment. Um, I hope you enjoyed the show. I thought the conversation was really good. I thought the game was fun. Um, we will be back in a few weeks time uh, with another episode. As always, if you have episode suggestions or sports you want to uh, hear about or whatnot, please, you can send me a message. You can either uh, tweet at me. I'm at hi from grace on Twitter. You can DM me on Twitter. You can email, email me at grace at post All of those will get to me and I will read them and take them into consideration. Um, I'm very excited for a new podcast series that's here on Rehap uh, that I am a part of, which is the Pride is Spoken series. Um, LGBTQ representation, celebrating survivors. Um, Evie, Matt Scott and I got together to develop this series. Each week, uh, Evie will have some conversations with some previous survivors, and you get to listen to those. Uh, our week one episode was an interview with Bryce. Uh, next week, we'll be hearing from Zeke and Lirsa. Um, we'll be hearing from more LGBTQ survivors along the way, as well as some rap LGBTQ podcasters uh, on a future episode chatting about why we all love Survivor uh, and what it means to us as fans. So you can check that out. There's also merchandise. There's t-shirts or mugs and all sorts of things you could buy and the proceeds will go to Gender Bender, which is a nonprofit who supports gender and tra- trans and gender nonconforming uh, people in the southern United States doing advocacy, education and support. They also have a camp and uh, we will be donating the proceeds of the t-shirts to that organization. So get yourself a t-shirt. Take a picture and let us know using the hashtag the pride is spoken on Twitter for us to see you in your beautiful shirt. Um, as I said, we'll be back in a few days, uh, sorry, a few weeks time with another episode. Until then, the podcast is over. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. 
ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.